this glorious world you're listening in from, welcome back to the Who Are You to Lead Anyway podcast from Mastering Skills to Navigate Leadership in Life, episode 11. This morning I'm sitting here, it is Sunday morning, the sky is blue, it is beautiful, there is sun, and I am hoping to get outside later today. Now, in episode 10, I share with you the top three areas where leaders needed support, which were leadership effectiveness, mental fitness, and connection and belonging. Today, I want to talk to you about mental fitness. Last week, I mentioned Learn Optimism on the podcast, and I thought it would be useful for you to be aware of the fact that while both of these concepts aim to improve mental well-being, Learned Optimism focuses on changing our thinking patterns, and building mental fitness involves developing coping skills and emotional resilience through various practices. Now, both of these, as I mentioned, can be cultivated and allow us to navigate life's challenges with more ease and less angst. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) So today, I want to share with you an overview of mental fitness, the tools that have changed my life. I'm going to offer you a workplace tip for each of these tools. We're going to talk about the concepts of saboteur and sage, which come from mental fitness, and we're going to talk about the impact of mental fitness. So from an overview perspective, just as with physical fitness, it's important to keep our bodies moving strong and flexible with, you know, just with our daily living, the same approach applies to our brains. So in order for us to create and sustain our mental muscles and mental health for the duration of our lives, because we're going to be living a lot more longer than we used to. We know this already. Now, when we make time to practice our mental fitness muscles, we can change our lives. I know because I've done it and I help my clients do it. For me personally, I used to feel anxious, overwhelmed for such a huge part of my life. And I can tell you that you can increase your capacity to respond to the what is and life's conditions with a positive mindset and find possibilities that only exist when you face your fear and take responsibility for your life. I've shared before how the limbic system's job in our beautiful brain is to keep us safe. And when we live life in our zone of comfort, we don't challenge ourselves or try new things. I know this because this is me as well as it is as it is you. Because we want to avoid feelings of stress, anxiety, and pain. The result? Over time, our courage, our confidence, it disappears along with our dreams. So we can't have that. <laughs> now, the free pre- prefrontal cortex, oh my gosh, I'm going to be tongue-tied again today. The prefrontal cortex's job in our beautiful brain is to regulate our thoughts, our actions, and our emotions. With our mental fitness practice, not only do we get the benefit of better mental muscles by solving challenging problems, we also get a calmer, more peaceful life. Now, I was first introduced to mental fitness in 1996, a long time ago, and although we didn't refer to it this way at the time, I'd like to offer a little bit about my personal journey to be able to demonstrate to you the tools and practices that changed my life. After each one of these, I'm going to offer a way that you can practice in the workplace. So let's start with mindfulness. Mindfulness is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. What this looked like in practice for me was learning to be fascinated about the colors and shaped shapes of wrapped candy in my hand and being simply curious about it. 
And then I would just shift to other things, other objects, and then later other people. And again, be curious about it, but not have judgment. Through the practice, I learned how to accept things versus passing judgment on them. Now, of course, as a human, I still had and have judgments about all the things. (laughs) And I've learned to catch and release them so much more easily and more quickly than I ever used to. So to practice mindfulness at work, consider taking a short break throughout the day to focus your breath, bring your attention to the present moment, approach work without judgment, and fully engage in the task at hand without distraction. A second tool was breathing and grounding techniques. I use these to calm my central nervous system and focus my mind, which allowed me to let things go. What this looked like in practice was while I had my feet planted firmly on the floor, I would take two to three deep breaths. Now what this looks like is breathing deeply while also rubbing all of the fingers from one hand down all of the fingers on the palm of the other hand. And while doing so, noticing all of those sensations without judgment. Now, I've since seen Lewis Hamilton, Formula One world champion driver, do similar exercises. And I have done these as well, which is you press your thumb, your forefinger together with such a pressure to notice the imprint on finger pads and the sensation of heat generated. And you just quickly go back and forth, back and forth. So this technique helps me, and apparently Lewis Hamilton, get out of our heads and back into our bodies and can be done at any time or anywhere. For example, my clients find this one particularly helpful on Zoom calls when making presentations to manage their anxiety, their worry, and their overwhelm. They also do it when they're having difficult conversations that they've planned for. So to practice this one, which is calming your mind and remaining grounded, just take a deep breath, hold it for a few seconds, and exhale slowly. Focus on the sensation of your breath and the feeling of your feet being on the ground. Repeat as necessary and let go any thoughts just like you would clouds in the sky. Just let them go. Another tool I used was positive affirmations. These are phrases that I repeated to myself either quietly or aloud depending on where I was and over time I noticed two curious things happened. I replaced the negative thoughts and beliefs with positive ones, and I built confidence and belief in myself that I could do anything, almost anything. (laughs) So as I created this podcast, I am building confidence and belief in myself by telling myself I am capable and willing to figure things out along the way, and it's fun for me. And then I do, and I have so much fun. (laughs) So to practice affirmations, you might choose a a few positive statements that resonate for you and repeat them to yourself regularly, especially during challenging moments. This can help you reframe the negative thought that you're having and build your own confidence. So for example, I might offer, every day I become a better leader. I collaborate with my team and we achieve our goals together. Now, another tool that emerged from these positive affirmations for me was learning about my inner critic and the practice of, air quotes, self-talk. So here's something I want to share with you. The most important dialogue of your life. 
is the inner dialogue you have with yourself. So noticing and noting what I was saying to myself, how I was saying it, the language I was using was such a great way to increase my own self-awareness. I used to be incredibly self-critical, which I think is, I think that's actually the general human condition. And now, while I'm not perfect and I don't ever aim for that, I am more mindful and more intentional about the language I use to talk to myself. And when my clients talk derogatively about themselves, I remind them, let's just have an intention to be mindful of what you say to yourself because you are listening. And I challenge them to ask, what's the most loving thing you can say to yourself right now, especially when they're being overly critical? So to practice managing self-talk, that's about becoming mindful and aware of your thoughts and your emotions without judgment and focusing on the present moment. So when negative self-talk arises, just acknowledge it and then redirect your thoughts to a positive affirmation like I suggested above, below, a moment ago, (laughs) or a solution to the problem at hand and talk yourself through it. So by now, you might be starting to see that there, the inner game that we have that's going on with our mind is a catalyst for change, and this brings me to gratitude. Now, practicing gratitude was perhaps the most challenging for me to learn because the way that I looked at my life was through the lens of fear, doubt, judgment, and not enoughness. When I reflect on it, it felt as though life was happening to me versus for me. Now, when I started this practice, I was trying very hard (laughs) to find one small thing every day and being grateful for it, and then working my way up to five things and then 10 things. And now I've cultivated gratitude, so much of it that I actually believe and feel that life is happening for me. Like things are happening, it's happening. (laughs) I feel positive most of the time. I sleep better. I feel better. My mood improved so much that I was able to stop taking antidepressants over a decade ago. So here's what I want to say to you. If by the end of this podcast you choose to do nothing else, choose gratitude can change your brain. To maximize and practice gratitude at work, just take a few minutes to reflect on things you're thankful for. For example, a supportive coworker, a challenging project, a comfortable workspace. You could express your gratitude to others by thanking colleagues for their specific contribution or by offering to help someone else out who needs it. Now, the last tool I want to share with you is scheduled worry time. I heard somewhere years ago, worry is like a rocking chair. You can rock all day and get nowhere. (laughs) And this analogy so beautifully describes the impact of worrying that it stuck with me all these years later. When I was first practicing, I had a silver turtle worry stone that someone had gifted me. I gave myself five minutes every day at the beginning of the day to worry about all of the things I couldn't control. And then I would put it away in my purse, and it would go on about my day. Now, of course, other thoughts would come in, but I I would just let them go. And I would pick it up again the next day with my scheduled worry time. So to practice scheduled worry time, you might choose a time each day that you can stick to. From there, designate or find a space with minimal distractions if you can, 
and identify and address specific worries or concerns there rather than simply ruminating on them all day long. So those are my tools. Now I want to transition specifically to mental fitness. So in 2021, I came across the work of Shirzad Shamim, author of a book titled Positive Intelligence, Why Only 20% of Teens and Individuals Achieve Their True Potential and How You Can Achieve Yours. Of course, part of my journey, this was a fascinating book to me. I wanted to learn more. It was through this work that I learned the concepts of the saboteur and the sage, how to redirect or command my brain, and how to make and manage the ways that we all have as humans in sabotaging ourselves. So let me explain further. Our minds sabotage our potential for performance, learning, and fulfillment in our lives. Our inner voice, the critic or the saboteur, whichever word serves you best, serves us up dish after dish of judgment of ourselves, of others, and the circumstances we're in. And again, just doing its job. The brain is just doing its job. The saboteur side of us is rooted in fear, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs. The way we all sabotage ourselves can manifest ourselves, according to his work, in nine researched ways, which are avoider, controller, hyperachiever, hyperrational, hypervigilant, pleaser, restless, stickler, and victim. These characters might sound familiar to you. On the other hand, our mind also has access to the sage perspective, which is the more contemplative area of our brain. And we can access through this, access this through mental fitness tools to enable us to come to a place of clarity by tuning into our inner knowing and our inner wisdom. And from this place, we're able to make clear-headed decisions, not fear-based decisions, and come up with more creative solutions. In his work, there is an assessment tool that I use with my clients to get clear on the characters and how loud they are for each of them. And we use and learn to use mental fitness exercises to shift the focus from saboteur to sage. For example, a simple daily practice is to schedule two minutes, three times a day, to take a few deep breaths. Clients can visualize, you can repeat an affirmation, and at the end of the day, note in a journal, either on your phone or a paper journal, what did you learn? What is it that you're grateful for today? And from committing to this practice during the pandemic, personally, I learned how to toggle or switch my brain between the saboteur to the sage and regulate my thoughts, my actions, my emotions during those challenging and stressful times. Mental fitness is a crucial skill. And if you cultivate this, it'll enable you as a leader and as a human (laughs) to be able to redirect your brain, manage or preempt your saboteurs because you know that these characters are going to show up for you, reduce your stress, increase your focus and well-being, and over time, build your resilience in less than 10 minutes a day. And it doesn't have to cost you anything. (laughs) So the impact of mental fitness, I think it's the most, I think the most succinct answer that I can give you is to say that the practices are more than a game changer. It's a life changer. It was a year ago today that I resigned from my last corporate job. And I owe that decision 
and this life that I'm currently living, my ability to talk to you, my ability to do all of these things that I'm doing to my mental fitness practice. It allowed me to calm my fear, step out of my comfort zone, and step into my potential. And by doing so, into a world of possibilities so that I can support my clients and you to do the same. I want to leave you with this quote. Mental toughness is not just about winning. It's about being able to come out strong after defeat. We don't know who said this quote, but it's beautiful. Now today I've offered many tools and practices here for you to explore. And I want to invite you to be open, be willing to allow those to change you and your life. Life is full of challenges, and I'm here for all of them, and I think you are too. So until next week, make it a great one. Take care. Thanks for listening. Your feedback is a gift. Please rate and review with your honest opinion. Subscribe and share with your colleagues, especially if you've worked with me and found value in the work we've done together. Connect with me in my favorite places, LinkedIn and Instagram. My website is Cynthia Jamison Coach, all lowercase, all one word, dot C-A. Until next time, make it a great week.